and welcome to the Horror Screams Video Vault podcast. Uh, we are part, of course, of the Horror Screams Video Vault network, and this is episode 39 in the... Welcome. This is a, uh, a special of Return of the Living Dead. We're going to be dissecting the franchise, which spans, well, quite a few decades, actually, and five films. So uh, that's what we're in store for today. I'm joined by our regular co-host. It's Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hello. I'm so excited to be talking about zombies. Sarah is the preeminent zombie expert fan. <laughs> I wouldn't say expert, but definitely fan, for sure, for sure. And it's Return of the Living Dead, one of the best films ever. You love your zombies. I really do. Like, it's so much, it's it's just stupid, really, how obsessed I am with them. But yes, Return of the Living Dead. Yes, indeed, it's a biggie. It's a big one from from what is a ridiculous year in horror. 1985 is where it all starts. Which is totally bonkers. Year. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so we'll be looking at the the classic original and then venturing forth into the four sequels that emerged uh, over the course of time, which is fantastic. How are you doing, Sarah? How has your last month been? Oh, my last month's been good. Do you know why? Zombies? That would be why, because I've been re-watching all of the Return of the Living Dead movies. <laughs> Some of the best the homework excuse. you can ever have. Yeah. Do I have to watch yeah. them again? Oh, not again. Okay, let's do this. <laughs> what a chore. Yes, yes, exactly. Well, we have. We've delved into uh, the Romero ones in past episode and, mm-hmm. and things like that, I suppose. We did Hard Rock Zombies at one point, I think. Yes, we um, did, yeah. So we have been the Evil Dead movie, we did Bruce. Uh, yeah. As we speak, the Evil Dead film has just opened across the world, oh. including the UK. We're, and we're seeing it tomorrow, Sarah. Yes, tomorrow. yes, we are. Nice. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we kind of like always look forward to doing the podcast. And then we realise, because we kind of do it on the Friday, well, uh, Friday before the end of the month. And we didn't realise at the time that this was going to be the bloody release date for Evil Dead Rise. And we were both like, oh, shit, we've got to do the podcast recording. If not, we'd been out tonight. <laughs> so we've had to wait till tomorrow. Yes, such is the dedication to the art. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> astonishing. Yeah, it seems like this has been coming out forever and now it's yes. weird. Yes, the wait is finally over. But yes, it's it's avoid all internet tomorrow until we've seen the film. Yeah, internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, internet, yeah. Is our enemy in situations like this. Mm. Um, although sometimes other things are, like um, back in the, oh, the old days, back in the 90s, um, yeah, this, this is not actually a very interesting story, but I'll tell it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, back in the 90s i remember the sixth sense was coming out and you know and i love the sixth sense great movie and yeah. i was excited about it and i was browsing in the what was then ye old virgin megastore <laughs> um, which right. doesn't exist anymore but was a was it was you know a place of wonder it was like a kingdom for me in norwich which is a uh, city in the bumpkin uh, county of norfolk england in Norwich, they had, as you remember, Sarah, they had like a like a three or four floor Virgin Megastore in, yes. in the shopping mall. And it was a place of on, dreams. 
it was oh one floor was dvds you know dvds mm. were new and shiny majesty one floor was cds and there's all oh. sorts of other shit in there and, and i remember and thinking the t-shirts and the posters yes and the t- the posters, we need them back posters ahoy. it was yeah and i and i was a student then i was so young and fresh-faced and <laughs> no, not quite um and there were, you know, I'd spend all my student grant money because we had student grants. So there was no, uh, in the UK, there was no tuition fees, which then, you know, fleeced students and raped and pillaged them for cash. But back then, you know, they were like, here's some money for you to here spend on essential yeah. things. Your <laughs> government tells you to be sensible. Fucking hell, I'm down the version of I've got my grant check. Um, and I thought, well, I'll check out. I always checked out the CD soundtracks because I was really into soundtracks of movies and stuff. Uh, in between looking at, you know, I don't know, whatever it was then, Nightwish or something. Um, and I thought, oh, The Sixth Sense, I haven't seen that yet. Let's look at the soundtrack. And I browsed the track listing. Last track, Malcolm is Dead. That's the name <laughs> of the last track. And I think, I wonder who Malcolm is. <laughs> and I start watching The Sixth Sense maybe a day later. And, and Bruce Willis' character, hey. Malcolm, oh, me. Now I know what the twist is that they're all talking about. He's dead. This is why he's not interacting. From a CD. From a CD with the cruel last track name of Malcolm is dead. And that is bad. So I knew, you know, so so it did change it a little for me. And of course, all the way through. And and the great thing about the Sixth Sense is. It is lined up, you know. It it spells it out. But obviously, if you're not looking for it, you don't notice. But I, I sort of thought, wow, this is quite clever, because if you don't know the twist, um, you're watching this as normal. But as I do know mm. the twist, you're watching it thinking, wow, yeah, Bruce Willis doesn't interact with anybody with except anyone. little boys, he's dead people. And no one's figured this out. <laughs> and you assume, you know, when you watch the, the awkward scene in the restaurant with his ex-wife or whatever she is, you know, you assume she's not looking at him because they're, mm. you know, in uncomfortable land. Um, but it's because he's not fucking there and she's just gone to the restaurant because it's where they used to go. So it's mm. it's a clever movie, but obviously ruined. Yes. Absolutely ruined. I mean, I suppose it's not necessarily just avoiding the internet for the spoilers. It's avoiding but, everyone else's opinion as well, for me. Yes, that really sours it, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially the downers, you know. It's yeah. great to hear. It's great to hear someone celebrating. But if someone's there going, "Oh, you know, shit, really," and uh, the jump scares are, you know, thirty minutes in, are a bit contrived. Yeah, yeah. I think any negativity. Had, uh, yeah, exactly. I, I literally, I think I, I, was, I try not to read them, but your eyes kind of lock onto certain sentences, don't they? And kind of make things out. And there was yeah. one person saying, "Oh, well, I'm not going to bother going to see Evil Dead Rise." Um, because I thought, you know, the the remake in 2013 was so utterly shit that, you know, there's no point even going to see this one. I was just like, what the actual fuck? What the hell? Okay, so it's not typical Evil Dead, but it's it's a reimagination of it, and it was so well thought out and really well done, really well executed, ridiculous amounts of gore. I was like, if you like that, then you're going to love this new one. But it was just, yes. just like I don't I don't need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. So yes, that's a real be um, 
there's a real arrogance there as well isn't there well i'm not going to go and see it oh, oh really oh wait a minute what a, a shame through from warner brothers warner brothers yeah. you're not going to see it their box yeah. office takings have really been sorely hit Plummeted. by your vow but you will mm -hmm. see it though won't you you're saying you're not going to see it you <laughs> persist it can you because you're just saying this for effect you'll be there on day one won't you yeah. nigel um, yeah. Yes. Yes. Anyway. Um, yeah, that does sour it. So you're right. The internet's a bit of a shithole. But yes. Uh, but tomorrow, it doesn't matter because we'll watch it and and da da. We can tell you and spoil it all by telling you about the scene with the pig and the banjo. Oh, and not that bad. Yes. And apparently a guest appearance by the woman that played Dot Cotton in EastEnders. As well. <gasps> yes. She's in yeah. it. As a yeah. dead eye. Yeah. Little shakes in the curtains. And we have to keep an yes. eye out for Bruce as well. Although I think yeah, I Bruce. already kind I think I already kind of know because I've heard again an oiling through the internet, kind of heard where he appears or how he appears, but I'm like, oh are they pulling my leg, is this real? But so I'm gonna be like on full alert anyway. Oh, full Bruce alert. <laughs> Defcon yeah, Bruce. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be a very, very exciting weekend seeing that. And I'm spending money this weekend because I've already, well, I've already spent money. But um, speaking of zombies and films such as Return of the Living Dead, as we are now going to be talking about, one of my favourite ever bands is a band called Send More Paramedics, who kind of happened because of their love of return of return of the living dead a lot mm. of their songs are themed they take a lot of the lines they use a lot of the quotes and stuff from the film that we're going to be talking about very shortly um they they were kind of together like the beginning of 2000s and stuff and i absolutely adored them they were great they split up towards the end of kind of 2000s and then they regrouped a year or so ago for their 20th anniversary surprised everyone by doing a few shows but they surprised everyone even more by recording an album um which only was released digitally but today it has been announced that the pre-orders for the brand new shiny new the final feast on vinyl are now being taken so i was on there as soon as i got home from work ordering my vinyl copy of the final nice. feast and i can't wait for that to arrive so it's gonna be a good weekend yeah, nice Nice man. Hey, because I've been thinking about this because I still got a bunch of thingies. But do you have it? You have like a turntable? Maybe a stupid question. I yes, of course I do. Yes. Okay, cool. Even I if I didn't, I would still buy it. <laughs> yes. Just because it's so pretty, and I love physical copies of things. I love. I still love CDs. I love cassette tapes, and I love. Yeah. I love a vinyl. I mean, I I very rarely play my vinyl. I don't have a vast collection. But I've got a collection that I love, and I've got pretty much all of some more Paramedics albums in nice. um, as many formats as I possibly can. And let's and vinyl is the best because obviously it's the biggest representation of whatever the artwork is. You know, the twelve-inch um, exactly. sleeves, gatefolds, all that wonderful some stuff. Extra little like recordings. They're ever so good at doing um, their own kind of versions of like movie trailers and stuff like that. And they mm. love to put like little secret tracks of um, little like um, apocalypse stories and stuff. And I know that there's some unreleased ones of them on this new vinyl that is that's just going to be great. That's cool, man. Yeah, the physical stuff, the novelty never wears off because you've got no. it on the shelf. You know, there's there's nothing yeah. exciting about about seeing 
you know stuff on your phone tiny icon saying <laughs> mm. that so and so is on netflix or whatever you know it's, it, yeah it's great it's convenient and oh, mm-hmm. i can watch that but the physical stuff with the extra stuff the artwork and especially yeah especially with vinyl um yeah i've only got i've i've held on to i had loads in the past but i've held on to like maybe two dozen really nice edition nice vinyl editions yeah. but i don't i just want to get i need to get a nice turntable i know there's loads of cheap ones you can get but kind of and there's also of course finding a space for it um yes so they're kind of just sitting there at the minute but i have have totally celebrated that throughout the years beautiful yeah. still um, coming out oh absolutely i there's um a amazing company the name has completely slipped my brain now because i'm about to talk about it because i'm very good at forgetting things like that but there's a great american company that do the soundtracks for movies and stuff on vinyl in these wonderful bright colorful Mm. cases and colored vinyls i think i saw one for the evil dead rise soundtrack Uh, that will be coming out so i was just like oh yum so good yeah, well, the two I was, was, well, I was, I collected a bunch of Death Waltz records. I don't know if they're still around. I don't but, know. That's and Waxwork is another one. Waxwork. I, yeah, um, that rings the bell. I think they're still around. And but yeah, there was a few like that that did amazing. There was a beautiful edition of the Thor movie soundtracks, which I never got, <laughs> but maybe probably should have done. But yeah, I, I did get a few. I, the main thing I was doing was getting the John Carpenter ones, like. Um, Mm-hmm. you know halloween three and uh they live and, and the stuff thing. which yeah were beautiful um yeah yeah the temptation is is big oh, i'm glad you got the the semi paramedics thing is yeah fantastic has to be done it does indeed yes. we don't need to eat you know another no, absolutely bread bread without the cheese it's fine oh, we'll just going. Eat. still nutrition i can Lick live from floor. music it's fine yeah yeah, musical is it. all i need <laughs> music and films yeah i'll be happy i don't have to move i won't use up much energy it's fine no exactly yeah and there's always something nice in a bin isn't there that you can always find something if you wander Absolutely. down the road to someone's yeah, exactly. bin people throw out those kind of half-eaten chicken legs there's some goodness in there protein <laughs> um we've all done it we've all been there um, <laughs> Lick the salty leg of a stranger. That's always quite mm-hmm. a good one, I think, to keep you going with energy. Oh, talking of salty legs. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, this episode of Coursera, we are celebrating the quadrilogies. Not a fucking word. They always did it, didn't they? The video, the box set started doing that. Well, now you can get the alien quadrilogy. It's not a word. <laughs> That's really not a word. Well, <laughs> this isn't even quad, actually. I've got it totally wrong. This is a quintilogy. Sorry. Yeah. Is it Quinn? And then it's sexology or septology for seven. I don't know anymore. But yeah, they made up shit. Um, yeah. It's Return of the Living Dead, Sarah. Um, yes. And because I was excited, <laughs> this isn't going the way many may fear. Um, I checked on the dates because I was thinking, Jesus Christ, fictional character, of course. Um, mm-hmm. wasn't 85 a great year and I checked and mm-hmm. the, the kind of release strategy was this which was in 85 Day of the Dead came out July 19th I guess this is American releases yeah. um, in England we probably got them in like 2012 or something because yeah. they saved England for so last 
So Day of the Dead, July 19th. Wow, George Romero, fantastic movie. Return of the Living Dead, 8, uh, 16th of August, 1985. Yeah. Reanimator, 18th of October. Oh. So, <laughs> space, it was uh, a good year. Three months. Amazing year. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. And it's like three of my favourite films. Yeah. And they are all very special in their own ways. Like, I think Day of the Dead is a, is a we, we talked about it, it's a masterpiece. Reanimator is is brilliant return living dead and i suppose when i was thinking about it i was thinking well return living dead and reanimator are similar because they are they are actually comedic yes but i think importantly as well they're they're straight horror films that are actually really grim with grim endings reanimator has such a downer of an ending and this has the ultimate downer what really (laughs) But they they happen to be funny as well, so they're not necessarily horror comedies, but they are very funny at times. And I think maybe the trick is the horror at times is played straight. So there is some there are some stakes, you know, there is some some real kind of serious moments. Um, yeah, I suppose they're uh, kind of slightly different as well because they kind of play, obviously they're both kind of zombie related, but they kind of play on different things. So with Reanimator and stuff, you've got Herbert West, who's your more kind of crazy mad scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Whereas, whereas, Return of the Living Dead is kind of a bunch of kind of bumbling buffoons that stumble upon this stuff and accidentally, you know, cause cause an outbreak. Yes. Where you've got someone like Herbert West is consciously making an effort to do that, whereas Fred and um, Frank are not. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Herbert West is a genuinely um, brilliant. I mean, we will do it. I'm sure a reanimator episode at some stage. But Ooh, Herbert West so. is a is a driven and quite disturbing character who doesn't yes. give much of a of a monkey's about the damage he might cause. But you've got the the sympathetic um, his friend Bruce Albert in reanimator who also quite a hunk, I think, for horror. They both um, are. Actually, yeah, Jeff. Oh, they do have they, oh, a massive geez, cross on Jeffrey Holmes. He's great. That's next He's a month, fantastic right? yeah. actor. It, yes, oh, he, he he is great, and any yeah, pretty much every role he plays in, he's some kind of evil, horrible guy. But you're like, oh, but I do really fancy him. He is hot because yeah, and I saw comparisons at the time. Um, this is a slight sidetrack, ladies and gentlemen. I saw comparisons at the time to Anthony Perkins, and it does yes. he does have mm-hmm. that Tony Perkins think- kind of nerdish hottish nerdish yeah um, kind of appeal yeah norman nervous guy yeah yeah probably got picked on at school but he's now you know now is is smart and uh and a bit disturbed but who isn't disturbed i mean we're all a bit fucking disturbed um and yeah it's great no uh yeah so 85 i think kind of an astonishing year. year um i was seven um, which doesn't mean to say I wasn't what I mean in 85 was also Sarah the the year that the, the Stephen West family my mum and dad got a VCR and they didn't care about you know they they yeah. totally embraced me watching horror films and um and Return Living Dead although not in 85 whenever it came out on video we we got it I, I mm-hmm. distinctly remember the in the UK at least the fantastic Graham Humphrey's artwork on the, which has been carried over, I think, to a lot of other mm-hmm. releases. Um, you know, on the VC on the VHS, and and it was one of those ones that 
that stood out, you know, because it I was... I can imagine. It's, it, it's one of those movies that does appeal to kids, doesn't it? Yes, entirely. And it's kind of one that, you found, that your parents would go, yeah, go on, why not? You know, it's all kind of silly and goofy yeah. looking and very kind of plasticky. They'll be fine. Just stick them in front of that. That'll be all right. Unfortunately, yeah. I I was a little bit younger. I was like four or five, so I was unfortunately quite uh, oblivious to any of that stuff that was going on. But it was dumbass. a fantastic year. Yeah, yeah, really a fantastic year. And 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 the movies hold up. I mean, um, I mean Romero stuff is. I think especially those first three. I think are strangely ageless. Really, they don't feel like old films. Night of Living Dead, no. of course, he's a he's a pretty old film now. Mm. Um, it's older than you know the classic Boris Karloff stuff was when I was growing up. So that's how old it is. Yeah. Um, but it has an age. It's still it's still grim and it's still upsetting. And and Dawn of the Dead is is still hits hard. And I think um these this this movie Return of the Dead is very eighties. Um. But it doesn't feel that it doesn't feel old. It still feels like I, I think because the soundtrack as well is is still huge fun, um, and everything about it is entertaining. So I, I think it's aged really well, actually. Absolutely, think. yeah, I totally agree with you. I was going to kind of mention that when we kind of get onto like the dodgy sequels later on down the line they seem to be yeah. more dated than like the original feels. You know, the originals eighties. Yes. You know. Yeah you know the fashions and stuff but it still kind of feels fresh um mm. i don't know how I don't, I don't know why but yeah compared to the sequels the, the sequels done in like the 2000s early 2000s look horrendous now whereas you still think oh, you, yeah. you still think when you watch the original return of the living dead it looks like you expect it to and you want it to and it still feels kind of new for the time and i love the fact yeah. that it is it does kind of go back to Romero and kind of pays homage to him because you know the whole the whole premise of Return of the Living Dead was what happened at the end of Night of the Living Dead. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, which entirely. Is, yeah. Which is clever and great, you know, they're kind of saying that these barrels that they've found from the army were from that time back in was it 69? Yeah, Pittsburgh. Was, yeah. They mentioned yeah. Pittsburgh, don't they? And late yes. 60s. And the house, um, the incident, or something like that, they said. So they, Frank and, it's Frank, isn't it? Yeah, Frank and Bert have kind of got these <laughs> barrels down in the um, basement of their medical facility <laughs> place that they have that kind of holds all sorts of weird and wonderful things that medical students would need. So you've got <laughs> your, like kind of instruments and skeletons and stuff but then you have other really crazy stuff like dogs that are cut in half and put on stands and stuff so they can learn the dog anatomy and stuff which you think is kind of cool they've got a freezer full of dead people that people use for i don't know autopsies and training and that kind of a thing but um yeah they've managed to hide these barrels down there and a new guy starts called freddie who's tom matthews who we love we love Tom Matthews, but yes, both, yes. both him and Frank are both kind of like bumbling kind of buffoons type thing. And Frank thinks it's really cool to show the new guy the barrels down in, in the basement and stuff and tell him the story about what happened. Um, he accidentally managed to knock the barrel. They gas themselves with the gas. Um, the glass breaks. 
the zombie inside the barrel kind of reanimates and turns into Tarman, who's one of the most iconic zombies ever compared to like Bub and stuff like that. You know, you know him, you know Bub and you know Tarman. And I love the kind of visuals that they do um, for it. In, in Even though it is in the 80s and stuff, you kind of see that it, there's a, they see that there's a human person like really kind of, deformed and rotting person in the barrel but once they release mm. the gas like he just turns into this slimy mass which looks brilliant they still look really good don't they i like they that still. yes i really like the idea that these uh these ultra secure uh army containers uh or whatever they are uh barrels um uh, are simply quite easily disturbed by a, just a firm tap on the side. Just, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'll just oh, back. There we go. So, yeah, they kind Good of release the gas and Tarman gets released, um, <laughs> which then kind of like the gas kind of permeates throughout the building, which starts to bring the cadavers and stuff to life. The only time, the first thing that you notice that comes to life is that they hear a kind of scratching and one of the half dogs has kind of come to life and they they basically like bludgeoning his brains out on the floor and screaming oh they're so over dramatic he's great isn't he is it john karen uh, james karen james the, karen that's it yeah who's who's a great a really experienced um <laughs> i guess they were quite lucky to get him because he was you know uh, a veteran actor he a few years earlier he was the guy in poltergeist that plays the the corrupt uh kind of in state agent guy that that says you know or they find out that the problem of poltergeist is that they moved the tombstones but they didn't move the bodies in the uh, ah, yes in the graveyard of what the house was built on um so yeah james Caron. uh and, well, he's so yeah. dramatic <laughs> yeah i mean there's three kind of it's a weird film it's, it's a weird cast because it's a bunch of well, we say teenagers, but it's a bunch of um, young people versus Clue Gulager as the angry boss, um, James Caron, who's a very experienced actor, and Don Calfer as the, uh, well, he's the guy at the crematorium, isn't he? Um, yes. I can't remember his character name. I didn't really figure it out until, like, well, I suppose until I got a bit older that obviously, like, um, the main guy, Frank's boss is Bert, and his mate Don Calfer is Ernie. I only just put oh the two yes of course Sesame Street. He wrote... This is a, a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> but and yeah, they probably sleep in the same bed, like Bert and Ernie and Sesame yeah, Street. Yeah, probably, probably. I love him. I love Don Calfer. He's lovely. He's great. Yeah, I think so. And I think there's a great thing going on here because James Caron um, is playing it to the hill, especially as he gets, uh, you know, as he starts to turn, and even more yeah. so in. The sequel show not so fun. Um, he's doing all the face pulling. Uh, has <laughs> got screaming. angry, angry bastard boss, but Don Calfer is really underplaying it. He's puffing on his pipe, and you know he's um, he's at the crematorium. So there's a nice, I think there's a nice mixture. It needs it because the punks are obviously quite over the top. The, yes. uh, the punks are, or at least a couple of them, are, are quite OTT, and James Caron's way over the the edge. So I think it's uh, it's very nicely balanced by Don Calfa, who's who's quite mm. uh, uh, quite understated given what's happening. <laughs> um, and the normal people, you know, the the so-called normal. So Tom Matthews is a bit straight, and his girlfriend is a bit of a square. Yeah. Um, 
whatever her they're name is. They're hanging around with the punks. Tina. For some reason, what a strange comment. Why are they hanging around with them? What the hell? Who knows? <laughs> it's a real strange bunch um, that, that seem to be hanging out together. Um, the Nea Quigley, of course, is, yeah. is an iconic presence in this film. Um, as Trash, who spends almost the entire film naked. And uh, and likes death and has a weird fantasy about being ripped apart by old men. By old men, yeah. <laughs> which um, which makes no sense, but she, she just gets horny at the graveyard, which I, I you know, which I guess is is what um, this is Dan O'Bannon who ended up um, uh, directing this, and I guess it's uh, it's his idea of what punks are like, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's kind of a strange, yeah, kind of take on it with her, yeah, trash being the way she is and suicide being probably the most square one out of the lot of them. He's so angry, oh, yeah, and, he's just... but he hates everyone else around him seeming to, ha- seeming to have fun and stuff as well. He just wants to be serious. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, it's a weird, you, I mean, it's it's a big cast really, so you, you only get, I suppose a limited amount of time with them because it's it becomes yeah. mostly about Tom and James Caron, doesn't it? Um, yeah, and things move so quickly. Everything seems to kind of the the timeline kind of all seems to happen at once. Like once they've busted open the barrel and everything's come to life, they try and try and hide it by taking like they chop the bodies up into little pieces and take the bits over to the crematorium. I don't think they see Tarman, do they, Frank and Tom? Uh, Frank and Freddie, rather, they don't see Tarman. They just see that no. the barrel's open, so they've just yeah. left the building, gone to take in, to take the corpses over to the crematorium to Ernie to ask if he could just burn them, which is, makes perfect sense. Absolutely, <laughs> one way to get rid of them. We'll stick it in a burner. That's fine. It won't have any repercussions at all. But unfortunately, yeah. when they do stick them in the crematorium then puts the gas into um, the atmosphere. It instantly starts raining. They're right, conveniently right next to a graveyard where all the punks are kind of hanging out. All hell yeah. breaks loose. And we have this really cool scene of all like the zombies digging themselves up from the grave. Um, it's all really great. It's all very like skeletal and gooey and mushy and very 80s practical effects, which is great. Mm. Yeah. And and then in the meantime, everyone kind of like goes for refuge. So the punks go back to where Freddy works, back at the building, and that's where they then in- encounter Tarman, um, who says his iconic brains line, which is basically just is the theme throughout the whole of the Return of the Living Dead movies, which I really love. And they do actually go for the brain, don't they? Suicide gets his head like bit open by Tarman. Yes. Which, uh, cool. which I think is, it, I mean, it, it, this movie is not as gory as Reanimator no. or, or Day of the or Dead. Or Day of the Dead, no. But, but I think maybe the the brief shots you get of you get of the brain eating it is quite quite nasty and yeah. quite unpleasant. Maybe because they are quite brief and the movie generally isn't that bloody. I think maybe those those moments stand out because it's we we've known about this kind of. Uh, zombie consumption thing from earlier movies but this is the first yeah. time maybe you, you see think, them really oh, obsessing yeah. about the brains thing and 
I suppose it becomes a kind of acceptable thing in the Return of the Living Dead movies that the zombies can talk. Because in quite mm. a lot of movies, you know, no zombies can't talk. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I'm very much like that. You know, they don't talk. Yeah. But yeah. apart from in Return of the Living Dead, because they do literally just kind of just scream for brains and that kind of thing. And they get quite clever about it once they're kind of hoarding in the car parks. Um, the police are being called. So they're then feasting on the police. They then manage to call for more police and more mm. ambulances, which quotes the best quote ever after my favourite band. You have a zombie that's just eaten a paramedic. Um, he hears a call over the radio and then asks them to send more paramedics. Mm. So like, that's where they got their name from. And it doesn't end there. <laughs> but I could talk about that for ages. It's probably quite boring. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that is, and that's quite cool because it's uh, for the the whole thing to keep going. That things had to be changed up. Like I remember being really impressed by uh, a few years before by the Italian movie Burial Ground, where where the zombies uh, are using tools. They're not just you know flooring uh, yes. the way, but they're using you know sides and things. Yeah. And then and then with Day of the Dead coming out just before this, you know, there was the sense of domesticating a zombie bub listening yeah. to headphones and yeah the and idea that we can tame them and... yeah yeah so the next level is them talking which as you said this series uh carries on um it's quite it's always got an edge to it i think i think there's something really unpleasant about tarman and how slithery he is yeah um, the way the great moves. physical performance mm. yeah it's it's a real mime sort of performance isn't it by i don't know what the actor is actually i can't remember is i think he, he does conventions or he has done um yeah so there's always something that's a little bit off that stops it from just being a comedy i, I think there's always you know there's there's even those those creepy moments like the paramedics um when they put the headlights on and they see the zombie <gasps> ward yes. the ambulance it's, yeah, it's a straight that's... moment of unset you know of something mm. quite disturbing um, and the rainy, stormy kind of zombies coming out of the ground sequence is really well done, which again isn't isn't really a funny sequence. It's quite a sinister okay. um, sequence. Um, even well, even when even when uh, Tom Matthews kind of is is gone to the other side and he's foaming at the mouth, there's something quite disturbing about Ooh. that. I think because it, it feeds into things like which is at the heart of zombie stuff sometimes, which is the, the kind of relationship to rabies, you know, um, yeah. and infection, infection movies or infection terrors, I guess. So yeah, it's, it's a funny movie, but it's, it's even that it's funniest. It's still quite, you know, quite straight. Quite serious. Disturbing. Quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A yeah. sense of threat. You know, there's a sense that this is this isn't just uh, a slapstick, which is, as we said, is the same with Reanimator. Reanimator is really funny, but you're not sure whether to laugh or be disturbed by the sequence <laughs> of the guy yeah. in the severed head going down yeah. on the, yeah, yeah, on yeah. Um, Barbara Crampton. Um, so yeah, and I think that's that's what it does so well. Um, and yeah, this, like you say, like out. the the tragic ending of um, Frank is really quite sad yeah that's not a funny moment is it no um, it's actually quite emotional you actually like 
compared to all the other zombies that are literally out for brains, so they, they, they turn very slowly in comparison, obviously because they're not dead, the kind of gas is kind of getting to them and it kind of turns them really, really slowly. So they start kind of getting rigor mortis, but they're still alive type thing, aren't they? They do manage mm. to get some paramedics to come in to check them over and they've got no pulse, no heartbeat or anything, but they're still talking and screaming <laughs> in agony. Mm. But poor, poor old Frank kind of, once he has turned, um, or when him and Freddy turn, Freddy goes one way and becomes kind of angry, obsessed, trying to sweet talk Tina into giving him a brain and then Frank just kind of like takes himself off ever so quietly to the incinerator which is really sad yeah yeah it's it's a it's a grim moment isn't it and and it's it's kind of the hopelessness of the last act the last half an hour or so um yeah I I think it's it really holds up um the the best sequence for me is and I think even maybe originally uh, I can't speak for my younger self but is is the and it's a fantastic piece of um effects as well but is the sequence with the half zombie lady which which is effectively yeah exactly which which totally um sets up the whole scenario of return of living dead three which is all about a character that's like her and and it's one of the reasons i I like that movie so much but yeah which is where you know you've got this remarkable bit of uh, effects work going on with her um and that's where you think well yeah this isn't this is a, a kind of a funny but serious movie and, and she talks yeah. about feeling dead she's on the on the trolley and yeah. she she mentions really grim stuff that you've never thought about in a zombie film before like she says that she can feel herself rot um, yeah. uh you know and she why do you eat people well it's to take away the excruciating the agony of being dead the pain of being dead yep Yep, and honestly, there's about there's about three three um semi paramedic songs literally just about that quote and that part of the movie and stuff. So they obviously yeah. kind of agree with you on that point that it is a kind of pivotal part of the movie. It's incredible, yeah, and it's and it's uh, it's a quiet moment really in between the mayhem of them yeah. barricading themselves in yeah. and everyone turning the kind of final stand. trash, zombie trash, yeah. But it's 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 I think it's almost unique. Well, it is unique, certainly at that point. You know, I hadn't seen anything like it. We'd had Bup, you know, we'd had a, an empathetic zombie yeah. just a couple of months before if if you were around to watch it in the cinema and stuff. But I think that is kind of unique, especially in a movie that is presenting itself as a kind of knockabout punk, you know, punk mm. rock zombie comedy horror thing. Um and it's brilliantly done, you know, and it and it's again, it validates how important this kind of uh, tangible practical effects stuff because they could do that with CGI now, but it it would be CGI and it, you know you know there's a thing there, there's an actual physical thing there. However, they're doing it, um, I think. Makes yeah, and it's really cool how they make her little like spine kind of twitch and stuff like that. It looks really cool. You see all the all the close ups of it and stuff. It looks really great. It's just the best. <laughs> yeah, and the vo- the voice actor. Yeah, it's it's just one of the great sequences. I it think it is and a it- classic. It pays off um, with the third one. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a really well paced movie. It's like less than an hour and a half, and it, it goes by like a you know like anything, doesn't it? And and it does have the most astonishingly downbeat ending. 
with the with the miserable colonel actually i remember laughing at this, oh um, yes when you i was younger he, margaret he's introduced to at the margaret. start isn't he and yes. then he, he's only relevant until the end because you think well why have they introduced the colonel at the start and then he never appears until the end i don't think mm. um he's there at the start and she's like this chipper housewife oh how was your day dear crap like every other fucking you know he's he's <laughs> miserable and then he becomes relevant at the end because you know, he's looking for the lost um, uh, cans or you know, the, the lost uh, tanks and stuff and and their contingency plan to deal with this scenario, which they've obviously prepared for. You know, what if these these are uh, these uh, tanks that we're, we're so careless with that can be opened by just someone tapping on the side? What if they get loose and the contingency yeah. plan turns out to be dropping a nuclear bomb on them? On the whole place. Town. Yeah. Grim. Um, the, and interestingly, the ending, and they've, they've obviously referred to the Romero film, which in this world, you know, really happened. Uh, Night of the Living Dead in this, yeah. in the world of this film, was based on a true story, um, which I think is a quite cool idea to tie them yeah. together and justify it being called Return of the Living Dead. Um, the ending of this film is, you know, it's as downbeat, probably more downbeat than any of the Romero films, ironically, given that it's perceived as a comedy, because they've they've nuked the town but yeah they've nuked it's, everything. it's gonna start again because they haven't dealt with the problem <laughs> um so yeah kind of astonishing sarah but yeah it's so good it's a great kind of introductory movie like i say i think a lot of people a lot of people watched it when they were a lot younger kind of process it a bit better you might not get the completely grim and downside of it but you know the punks are cool the zombies are cool tarman's cool the barrels look awesome <laughs> you know for kids yeah you'd be like wow the cool army barrels and it's called trioxin that's a cool word the dogs it's yeah funny half dogs. strange one isn't it it's a totally random uh gorga or gag in the movie um which i think works well the what is totally sorry bonkers the skip dogs oh yeah absolutely um C- cleverly done i think that was a good introduction to 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 the reanimated corpses all of them you know the first one you come across it's a half dog <laughs> and also it does of course um with the 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 screens that uh, the the stamps on the screen of time and day and you know based on a true story it does kind of fit into all of that stuff and it became an endless thing in the like the 2000s where all these movies, all these horror movies started with ridiculous, usually total bullshit, you know, oh, this, the following film is based on true events. So, um, not really, is it? I mean, you know, maybe there was a serial killer that did something similar to this, but this, this, you know, hostile, it really isn't based on a true story. On a true story, you know. But loads of the, especially the torture-based stuff, would often start with it. And they, they were promoting the, um, the Texas Chainsaw movies as based on true events, which... It's a real stretch. I mean, they're inspired by Ed Gein, but they're not really. You know, he didn't have it's a chance. Not based. No. You know, there's there's no. loosely there's elements, and you you know you can say that about almost anything. You could tie it to a true event, but um, but this movie does that quite cleverly. Because, and then of course it has the characters talking about um, Night of the Living Dead being based on on a true uh, a chemical spill, um, trioxin. Um, yeah, it's great. It's it holds up really well, and uh, and I like the idea of trying to. Of, it's uh, Clue Gulliger, I think, who pretends that the twitching body parts are, are rabid weasels. 
Rabbit weasels. We get a lot of those. Yeah. So that's return. Oh, and the soundtrack, Sarah. It, it does have uh, even as a like, however old I was when I watched this, maybe nine, I think, when I watched this for the first time. It does have a an outstanding, maybe peerless soundtrack of like the damned and forty five grave and the cramps and the other stuff. Yeah, it's kind of an the, extraordinary. The, basically, the main theme of itself of the of the return of living oh. dead has become a kind of iconic theme in itself everybody knows well everybody i suppose especially zombie fans you hear the um the tune start up and Fantastic. you're like i freaking know this i love this song it's brilliant isn't it yeah and, and i think that's one of the things that that's really weak in the next two like the, the score for two is really bad and and actually, the score for part three, which I, I really like part three, but the score for that is really generic kind of noise. You know, there's, there's no yeah. invention to it. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Who'd you get for this? But the, the fantastic theme for this totally fits the movie because it's kind of, um, it's got menace to it, which the movie has a lot of, but it's also kind of jaunty at the same time. Yeah, um, it's got that 80s synthy, 80s. synth ways type thing. It's, yeah, it's stabby. It's it's nothing like overly dramatic, but like you say, it's kind of haunting. It's kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they it, do try, yeah. they kind of carry it over a bit on part two, don't they? I'm pretty sure the theme is a kind of take on Similar. the original. Yeah. Yeah, but yes, yeah. a lot of um, a lot of bands have kind of covered the, the the main theme. I say a lot. Obviously, some more paramedics have. They kind of sped it up and kind sure. of managed to turn it into a, like another a really cool kind of like take on the theme and stuff. But kind of made it their own. Um, siblings of Sam Hain recently brought out a um, Trioxin EP, so they've kind of done their take on the theme as well, which is also pretty cool in a kind of horror punk style. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's cool. It's a it's a it's a good theme, and yeah, like you say, it's got the cramps, it's got um, damned forty five graves. I mean, party time mm-hmm. has been covered yeah. by similar paramedics and stuff as well um there's a great song yeah it, it's a fantastic soundtrack it's um yeah and that's another part of its uh, kind of iconic status in that in that period because it's so it's so 85 you know it's um it's such a product of its time but mm-hmm. weirdly you know it's, it still holds up for sure yeah it certainly does marvelous so... I don't I want to guess. think about how old it is. Let me just work it out. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, we don't. No, don't that want. sucks. That sucks donkey dick, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it's just a fresh movie. We're all very young. 1988. Return yeah. of the Living Dead Part 2. Written, that's, that's an interesting one. Written and directed by Ken. I'm uh, not quite sure how to say it, but it's quite a funny name. Wiederhorn or Wiederhorn. Yeah, um, Vinohorn, who actually is an interesting guy. I mean, um, he directed some good movies before this. Shockwaves, I think, is he's a zombie. Oh, movie. yes. That's yes, a zombie movie. Something, yeah, yeah. It's quite eerie. The zombies coming out of the sea is a memorable image. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's, quite, it's quite slow, but quite, you know, quite serious. I quite like that. Um, he directed Eyes of a Stranger as well, which is 
which is a really good and quite also underrated, I think, like like Shockwaves, maybe um, sort of slasher movie with Jennifer Jason Lee as a blind uh, teenager and and this kind of sleazy sleazebag killer on the loose, which I quite like and very serious and and quite sleazy. Um, and he directed this. I was reading a little bit earlier. I was kind of looking back at old stuff and things and bits and pieces. And it seems like from the sounds of it, he, from his point of view, he was hired to make a zombie comedy, totally a comedy. Yep. And then it evolved into the fact that producers or whoever wanted it to be not just a zombie comedy, but they wanted it to be a Return of the Living Dead sequel that he somewhat reluctantly tied into Return of the Living Dead. So he was originally on board to make it just a zombie comedy rather than a Return of the Living Dead movie. Um, oh, okay. And, and which kind of makes sense when you watch it, and it became this this thing of the two, including including the return of two the two main actors from the first one playing different <laughs> characters that weirdly yeah. seem to remember their past selves <laughs> at a different points. <laughs> Didn't we do this before? Why? Yeah. it's um, brilliant. I know you're not a massive fan of this one, are you? But I really, I actually do really like it. I don't like it as much as the first one, but I can, I kind of see, now you've kind of said that bit about the director and stuff. It's kind of like he did go for the comedy element more yes. than the horror element, for sure. It's kind of, yeah. it to me reminds me of a kind of version of the Goonies with the zombies. Hmm. Yeah, I feel yeah. that's the 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 quick way of describing part two. Yeah, and it does fit in. I mean, I I do <laughs> the thing is, oh, I almost feel quite guilty actually. But yeah, I do <laughs> I do find this really annoying actually, and I and I have to and I've tried. To, I mean, I, I watched it last night and I checked back on some old notes and I'd watched it a few years ago and decided I didn't like it a few years ago and. I genuinely made an effort this afternoon. I ran out of time, sadly, and I think I know where it is, but I tried to find it out. In 1989-ish, I typed up on my old... This is very boring. Sorry, everyone. I typed up on my old uh, manual typewriter what I imaginatively called Horror Book, which was like 11-year-old me typing up a bunch of reviews of horror stuff I'd watched. And I'm pretty sure that in 1989, although I couldn't find it, you know, I will find it, but I'm pretty sure that I loved this in 1989. Yes, <laughs> like, I, I do it. Everything. The hilarious thing is, I didn't have a on my typewriter. I didn't have a um, a star key or anything. So I used what do you call the app? Do you just call that an app? The app symbol. Yeah. yeah. So I just used the app for star rating, and I'm, I've got this quite vivid memory of giving it like five apps out of five. Yes. Um, and that, and and I really wanted to find it because I felt guilty about really disliking it now. But I will find <laughs> it. Um, but it does fit into that. There's a whole thing going on in the 80s with yeah, the Goonies very much. So, but also a bunch of horror movies, especially Joe Dante stuff, that had kids as the main characters, like the Monster Squad, Escape, yes. uh, Stand by Me is a kind of side one because it's Stephen King, but it's not really horror, but it's still kids, you know. Yeah, get involved in dark shit. Um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Four with little Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis before he ironically grows up to be Tom Matthews in Number Six. Yeah. Um, yep. Lady in White is another one where where the, it's Lucas Haas. He's, he's he's a ghost and Spielberg stuff with Poltergeist, 
and the less horror stuff. So, yeah, there was a sense of kids getting involved in sinister stuff. Well, actually, the Goonies is part of that as well, isn't it? Kids getting involved yeah. in sinister stuff. Um, and and, the, and it's and this one, you know, was an R rating. Actually, hilariously, it was an 18 originally when it came out in the UK. Really? It's a 15 now. But yeah, like the original, it was, and actually the original's been downgraded. The original's a 15 on Blu-ray, but it used to be an 18 for sure in mm. back in the day. So, but it really is, you know, it's, it, there's nothing worse. It's, you know, it's goosebumps at worst. You know, it's just a bit of Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they do still kind of like, yeah. yeah, yeah, which is weird reason why I'd like it because I absolutely hate kids. And to be fair, the, the little kid in this is is quite annoying but luckily oh. there's like other characters in there to kind of like level it out a little bit um but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it is hilarious thank you through it sarah please for the love of god <laughs> well it starts off as you just know it's going to be silly and ridiculous because it basically starts off with a bunch of army vans driving through through a town um, and they basically, they've got the barrels, they've got the 245 trucks on the back of their trucks. Um, as they're bouncing along, you know, you keep getting shots from the driver who was smoking a spliff for starters. <laughs> so an army dude driving along, smoking a spliff, passing it along to his mates, not really paying attention. Oh dear, we kind of hit a bump and two of the barrels like jump off and go into a river, end up in a kind of like, I don't know, what is it? Like a storm drain or something massive, like tunnel thing in a village. Um little kid is getting bullied by a couple of older kids that live on the same street as him. Um, they, for some reason, they go hanging around around the storm drain. I can't remember why. I only watched this, like, not all that long ago, but that part's gone out of my head. But they find the barrel in the drain. Once again, it's kind of, it's got a keypad on it, which is broken, and they manage to figure out the code for the keypad. And releasing the gas, the two the two bullies get gassed, but the little kid, I think he kind of manages to escape or he runs away before that happens, doesn't he? Yes. Um, and then he, he goes back to his home. So he lives there. I mean, you don't see you don't see the parents. The parents are kind of non-existent. Uh, they're out doing mm. something. But he's there with his older sister. Um, and this like makes it so 80s because you kind of see her dancing around in front of the telly in front of an old like yes. bit, like video aerobics. and stuff but aerobics yep. type thing in a, in a lycra and leg leg warmers and stuff yeah everyone was doing it then um it's very very 80s but yeah he the, that's how that kind of happens oh no i even forgot about the best part of it is that like you said um frank and freddie come back but the, it's not them they're different characters it's the same actors but they're different characters. I'm trying to remember who they are in this. Oh, yeah, Ed um, and Joey. So James Cameron okay. is Ed. Yeah. Um, Tom Matthews is Joey. And the two kind of sinister characters that turn up in this big old van at a graveyard, they're basically grave robbers, aren't they? They're going, exhuming corpses yes. and stealing their jewellery and that kind of a thing. Which is weird um, because they're kind of the heroes. Why are they doing such a sinister thing? <laughs> Why do they need to be grave robbers? I suppose, well, they weren't really heroes in the first one, were they? They no, were just bumbling idiots. True. So they're kind of yes. still bumbling idiots in this, but this time they're even more sinister because <laughs> they're robbing graves. But Tom Matthews, once again, is pretty rubbish at grave robbing because he's shitting his pants and James Karen's just basically taking the piss out of him. Um, 
he turned, they turn up there with um, Joey's girlfriend who kind of leaves them there. She says she'll come back later. So this is kind of all happening like simultaneously. So the gas has been released by the kids um, right next to the graveyard, of course, um, which then kicks off the um, massive rainstorm, soaks the gas into the ground. So it's kind of different. It's a little bit more of a tenuous link than it is in Return of the Living Dead because they basically had to, they burnt the bodies first, didn't they? Or they burnt the first bodies in Return of the Living Dead, yeah. which then caused the rain. But this they seem to have kind of like brushed over that bit because nothing gets burnt. The rain just comes down after the after the gas has been released. Yeah. Um yeah. and yeah, that then that starts to like kick everything off in the graveyard again. You get another get another really cool scene of the of the graveyard kind of coming to life. This time it is a lot more comedic. It doesn't seem quite as sinister because they kind of they they've really tried to like individualize the zombies in this. They like their close ups mm. of a zombie with like a funny tash or an old lady zombie. Glasses. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Some of them are skeletal. Some of them are kind of rotten. Some of them are still quite fresh because they haven't been dead that long. That kind of thing. But they do tend to kind of they're kind of focusing in on these individual zombies there's some funny bits of like one zombie trying to come out of the grave whilst the others are walking past and they're just standing on his hand and standing on his head and that kind of thing um but yeah then then you meet tarman as well he he's still in the storm drain um but he managed to see eat one of the kids or am i just imagining that oh i don't think no i don't think he i don't think he does does he he doesn't do he just, he's, um, he doesn't, yeah. you know, he really doesn't do an awful lot. I think he actually just scares the little kid back, back to his house. Yeah. I mean, they, basically it then just kind of becomes a kind of like random team of people. There's just some kid from the, the, the little kid's older sister um, has a friend that comes around. I don't know. He's like an electrician or something. Don't really Ooh. go into too much detail. He just turns up really, doesn't he? Well, yeah, well, that's that, that's what I'd forgotten actually when I rewatched. I'd forgotten that the uh, what is he? He's like a cable TV guy, isn't he? Yeah. Um, I've forgotten that he's played by Dana Ashbrook or Dana Dana. Did you say that? Dana over here. Dana. I think it's Dana, as in Dana, like from like, girl's um, name, surely. Wayne's World. Um. Oh yeah, Dana Cart. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it's both. Um. Yeah. Well. Yeah, I'd forgotten he was in it. He uh, he's like two in this. He's two years away from being thingy in Twin Peaks, a major character in Twin uh, Peaks. A bit yeah, of a I mean, shit he's... in Twin Peaks, actually. He's a bastard. <laughs> well, I suppose that gives him a little bit more personality because he is incredibly forgettable in this one. Like, I'd kind of yeah, forgotten him up until this point. He's a nice point. guy, but he's bland, isn't he? He's um, a bit. He's a bit rubbish. He is. Kind, he does kind of turn out to be one of the heroes, but he is a bit rubbish. But yeah, he's got the they haircut. kind of. Yeah. Um, Bobby. I think Bobby and Twin Peaks. I just thought of it. Sorry. Ah, hooray! Major Girl, character. Bobby. And I do oh. think fantastic, but yeah, that's 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 the biggest um, revelation that I that I had. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, it's all happening. They all kind of like end up getting together, don't they? Like Ed and Joey and his girlfriend all kind of like they just kind of bust into the house and decide that they're hanging around with them. As, as the zombies kind of like descend on the neighborhood and so there's there's a kind of they basically they, there's a funny element with a head in a bag <laughs> which, oh, yeah, ends, which, ends, 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the bitey kind of weird voodoo lady head that they'd already put in a bag because it had fallen off a corpse when they were robbing the corpses <laughs> in the morgue. And for some reason, they took it with them. So um, she's obviously come to life. She kind of starts rolling around in the bag whilst they're um, holding up the house. Um, she bites Ed. And that's when things go a little bit ridiculous because he he then goes into the crazy over-the-top screaming. And, oh, and, massively. I, I think he's a little bit worse in this one than he is in the first one. From, I think he's bloody like great. It's from so early on, he's shouty and sobbing and face pulling. Scream, yeah. Oh, God. It is. Yeah, it's almost like they said, well, you know, when you in the first one, we dialed the performance up to 10. Could you go to 11? Mm. Yes, of course, because it needs to be again. bigger. There's always more. There's always more. But yeah, it kind of, kind of just kind of goes along like that, really. Then they kind of basically have to come up with some kind of clever way of getting out of town and killing the zombies. I think somewhere down the line, they they find out that um, burning them or electrocuting them is a good way. And there's not an awful lot of guns because I suppose there's like kids and stuff, isn't there? So they don't really use the guns or the headshot type thing. Yeah, yeah, it's quite it's quite tame. Yeah, which is weird because much. I I think they you know it's it's caught between isn't it because uh, it was still given like the adult rating in America and over here but it really is the other side of things it it really could have been they could have toned down it a bit more and gone I mean it still wouldn't make sense for a part two to return to living dead but they could have just gone for the you know the Goonies kind of audience um, or the the gate audience you know. Mm. I think it's a kid's film, really, just with the wrong rating. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. There's nothing wrong with being a kid's movie, you know. No, it is fun. I I, I think it has some really fun bits in it. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's not quite as on par as the original. It's It doesn't have any kind of straight, played, gloomy bits or anything, really, either. It does no. have quotable moments. I'm pretty sure they do take a few quotes. Several paramedics use a few quotes from part two as well. Uh, like sure. they want brains, give them brains. <laughs> yeah, and what's the, because there's the guy that the old, is it the doc, it's the doctor, isn't it, that comes yeah. in. He's kind of the substitute for the other senior character, like maybe the Don Calfer type character. Who's, yes. Which I thought, what, you know, I thought, oh, you know, maybe this is a good, but he wasn't really as good as any of the older guys in the first one. He was, that could have been a nice source for some Yeah, it kind of seems to me that he was trying to be a little bit like, I don't know, like, naked gun, like Leslie Nielsen type Hmm. thing, you know, trying to bring that kind of humour of like airplane and stuff, you know, because he's like, yeah drinking and he he prefers his car to people that kind of a thing yeah yeah it's it's a strange one it is a strange one it is fun it's campy and it's silly and there's a big like huge thing at the end where they round all the zombies up and try and kind of like mass um execute them um, and then there's like a whole Michael Jackson vibe, and then the Michael Jackson <laughs> zombie turns up, and which is which is a very 1988 joke. Yeah, you know, very. Oh, I get it. I, I get it. You know, that's it's it's of its time. 
I suppose still... that whole sequence is not something I've seen before. The the electric the mass electrocution of the zombies. I don't think I've seen. No, I've not seen that again. I don't think that must be unique. The, yeah, and the fact um, that they they go to an abattoir and get a load of like cows' brains or something, and you know, there's there's still a lot of that going on. The zombies are still very much in keeping with the original. They're shouting brains. They're biting people's heads and that kind of thing. Yeah, is, did I make it up, or there is at least one which is you can see the worms poking out, right? Like these yeah, little they, animatronic worms. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is not kind something of, you see much of. No, definitely not. It's kind of like a bit of a kind of Italian Fulci play on it yes. type thing. Yeah, that's what I love. And and Fulci and Burial Ground, I think, does something similar where you get you get the detailed version of the fact that these, well, they're rotting. So, you know, you mm-hmm. get more of that kind of, it's interesting. Um, I do, I mean, I, I, yeah, I have to admit, I, I feel awful, almost bad. It's like kicking a small child saying this, but I do find this movie really irritating, at least now, but obviously <laughs> back when I was the same age as the, the kid in it, who I also found annoying, I really loved it. <laughs> yeah. Damn I mean, but that, that is it, you know, it was aimed at people that age, wasn't it? Yeah, and there's, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but there, I mean, at least, uh, I will say for it, there's at least uh, the, the fact that at one point the zombies are distracted by the aerobics tape on the video, that, that <laughs> made me smile. And, and, all, and again, it's, yeah, I mean, there's... The shrill, oh, the shrill girlfriend, Tom Matthews' shrill girlfriend. She was Again, so yeah. Um, but, but I also like the um, the the bit, which is, you know, is, there's so many horror movies with a crawling hand, but I quite like the bit with the zombie hand that's on the loose in the backseat of the car with, um, I think it's with <laughs> the doctor, and, and they throw it out and it gives them the thing. Yeah. Um. And I think that's that, that's you know like with maybe a couple other things in in the movie that's a good example again of practical effects with the you know a hand on a string or however they did it it looks really mm-hmm. good. Um, so I I can't be too grumpy. No. And I almost wish I yeah I don't know probably maybe I reckon I'm willing to to admit that as annoying as I found this movie last night when I rewatched it I reckon with like. A, a, a full audience shown at midnight at a festival like a retro yeah. festival i think it would actually be much more fun yeah watching it on your own well. after work <laughs> on a thursday <laughs> might not be the best way and, and also of course I'd, I'd in my brain i've got it oh, i watched this a few years ago i didn't really like it so i'd already got that in loaded preloaded um so I kind of get it. Although the soundtrack is terrible compared to the original, the soundtrack is terrible. Yeah, compared to the original, it kind of goes a little bit to middle of the road rock. I'm kind of looking through now. There's a lot of Robert Palmer in there. There is some Anthrax, yeah. but I was never a massive Where Anthrax was An- fan. Where was Anthrax? Uh, yeah, Anth- yeah, I saw Anthrax in that credit. Well, I suppose that was just one song, was it? Um, um, they did I'm the Man. I'm not sure exactly where that was, and the horror of it all. Okay. So yeah, I'm not a massive. I'm not a. Wasn't Julian Cope on there somewhere? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Again, that's a strange choice. Yeah. No. Not not as great as the kind of more punky feel well, to, the, to the first. Yeah. One. 
45 grey. Yeah, yeah, that's it, isn't it? That's that's a hard act to follow. But then again, I'm guessing they had less money. I'm guessing, I don't know how much Robert Palmer was in 1980. <laughs> I'm guessing mm. they had, they were probably restricted. You know, sequels tend to, strange as it seems, tend to have, some, well, even part three is even smaller budget, I think, but they tend to have less money to play with just to cash in and, you know, whack it out there, as it were. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Did they have to bring back? I mean, well, that's the thing. I think the thing that bugs me is that James Caron and Tom Mackey's are back only because they were like, well, what do people like about the first one? Let's bring them back as two similar yet different characters because <laughs> it's just a bit. I find that really great. <coughs> Oh God! Really? Oh, I don't. I think it's probably just because I love them both. I was just so glad. <laughs> they haven't killed. They killed them off, but they haven't killed them off. And yeah, the they fact that they that they do make reference that they've been there before. I thought it was just brilliant. I, I love that. That's my favourite. Which is like, which is like in Die Hard too when he said, "How can the same shit happen to the same guy twice?" It, but in that yeah. case, at least he was playing the same character. In this case, it's two, two, two different <laughs> ones. Oh, I, keep, I mean, you've got it's kind of ballsy move, really, isn't it? <laughs> if you're going to do that, I, I so wanted them to come back in the rest of them. <laughs> We're back. What the fuck? Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> we, we happen to be passing by this town as a zombie outbreak occurred. Yeah, it's like um, double gazing salesman or something. Why the hell not? They've been great robbers, medical supply salesmen. Now they're double yeah. glazing salesmen. No, I thought it was great. I loved it. <laughs> and uh, there are very few films that you can actually get away with that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I'm glad I've kind of talked you around a little bit. I'm glad you loved well, it when you were younger. It kind yeah, of makes I sense that it's kind that. of worn. It's kind of worn off on worn off on you now, <laughs> but and you're kind of over that. But at least at least you did yeah. like it once, and you can see the um, you know, the reasons for liking it. Yeah, totally. Uh, and it makes me slightly irritated at my own self, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You've got so old and cantankerous, you can't even enjoy these kind of films anymore. How did that happen? <laughs> silly, but like I said, I think so much of it is, but that's not just this movie, I think it's other things as well, like, um, I can't think of these up right now. But uh, I have, there have been films at festivals I've watched with a big audience at, at Fright Fest or whatever, late at night especially helps if, if, if everybody's had a bit of a drink or whatever. Yeah. And it, it's been such a great experience. And then I've gone back and watched it, you know, typically on my own at, uh, yeah. like I said, work night. Because yeah. nobody else in the yeah. house really wants to watch yeah. some shit. And I'm like, oh, this is a bit depressing, actually. I remember this yeah. being really fun. Yeah. Why is it not great as I remember? I think that's, well, it's so much about where you were or who you were with or, you know. I, I yeah. Think, I think that's actually quite common to a bunch of things um yeah yeah I, I i don't want to be hating on return living dead too too bad because i i kind of get it feel guilty for, <laughs> for yesterday being grumpy about it. um yeah 
So, yeah, so the franchise, uh, well, yeah, that movie, I mean, I don't know much. I guess it didn't do dr- drastically well. Although the late 80s no. was a weird time for horror because, you know, franchises like Friday the 13th were wearing out. There was a sense that, you know, we've done this too many times. Where else can you go with Jason or with zombies or with Michael Myers or Freddy? They've, they've been overdone. And and mainstream mainstream thrillers were using horror stuff, so horror was kind of in a bit of a dead zone. And I think, and, and this leads on to the next bit. And I, I remember really well when Return of Living Dead three straight to video in the UK mm. um, when it came out because it was a real drought for horror. So by ninety three, I, I was like fifteen, sixteen, so I was a proper teenager, and. Yeah. Um, and there wasn't a lot of new horror coming out, or at least if there was, it was a bit kind of like, oh, bland and not very gory and like, oh, shit, you know, Freddy's a bit boring now and blah, blah, blah. Um, so Return of the Dead 3 for me really stood out because weirdly it was, it was even though it's really gruesome, it was uncut in the UK. In fact, I have a memory that the video over here was the uncut version and in America they had a kind of censored version initially at least. Um but it was proper kind of serious as well. It was Return of the Dead 3, but it's a serious movie. They've gone in a different um, direction with it. But it's, and admittedly, I really, really fancied the, the dead girl in it. Not because she's dead. I'm not a necrophilia. <laughs> um, um, and so it all fit together for me as a, you know, as a 15-year-old horror fan. I thought, this is fantastic. And I still really like it. I have watched it a few times. Um, and I think, you know, when you watch these together, I think it's totally the right decision at this stage in the series of these movies to to go serious with it. Um, because where I mean, where else can you go? Could you, apart from bringing back James Caron and and Tom Matthews, <laughs> Tom Matthews oh, again? We're, we're just shopkeepers. This is a zombie outbreak in our shop. Um, you know, I think that's the only decision. And it's got a proper director, Brian Usner. Yes. Great. Uh, I mean, well, great, maybe overstating it, but he did Society, which is one of the maddest um, American horror films of the, of the kind of late 80s, 90s. He did the sequels to Reanimator, which actually I quite like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bunch of other stuff. He's he's always been there. He was, uh, I think, a producer on the original Reanimator. So he's a horror guy. And I think it really shows. I think this is a proper, I mean, there are, there are, there are some things that aren't so hot about Return of Living Dead 3. Um, I think uh, particularly maybe the um, the stereotypes of the uh, Latino gangbangers. <laughs> Riverman. Oh, my um, God. Yeah. Riverman. What the hell? Where did he come from? Uh, and, and as we said, the kind of generics score, which uh, sounds like someone just leaned on a keyboard or something. <laughs> There's so much good about Return of the Dead 3 that I'm willing to say it's, well, it's definitely the best of the sequels by Um and I, and I just think as a standalone, I don't think it necessarily even has to be thought of as a return movie because it feels more like a kind of its own thing. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, and, and the t- and connections are kind of tenuous, aren't they, really? It's about a zombie. Um, it mentions trioxin. Yeah, they found the trioxin barrels. The trioxin barrels have been contained, but now they're kind of being experimented on um, to create super soldiers. Yeah, because thingy, based at um, an army yeah. base. Yeah, because it's Watson. It's thing. It's um, <laughs> it's uh, it's What's Sarah Douglas thing? from Superman Two. 
yes. um, the British actress who who actually is a good sport. She's in a lot of these things. And she's the kind of government person, isn't she, that that talks about it being a weapon of the future or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's well cast. Um, Superman 2. I actually really like Superman 2. This is a bit tragic. Yeah. Because Terence Stamp as General Zod. Come to me, yes. Superman, if you dare. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like the old school um, Superman movies. Still sad about Christopher Reeve. Yeah. Life's so And do you know what? Oh, oh God, this is such a tangent. But uh, yeah, the Superman films, I watched those when when at my old house we ran out of oil and uh, in the coldest week I've ever known as a human being. And I I looked after the house to kind of keep it warm with plug-in heaters. And to cheer myself up, I watched all of the Christopher Reeve Superman movies in a row. (laughs) while wearing about six layers um, <laughs> in a freezing room where I could see my own breath as I tried to heat mm-hmm. it, plug in heater. And I remember thinking, this is really lovely. This is really enjoying these films and I've forgotten <laughs> how fucking cold I am. Um, <laughs> and then the new stuff, the, the Man of Steel with what's his face, Henry something. Oh God, uh, no, we don't go. We don't talk about Henry stuff. Cavill. Yes, Cavill. You know, oh, uh, Superman, oh, you know, everything's grey, everything looks looks a bit kind of weird and murky and green and grey and everything's serious. Yeah, and depressing so. and, yeah, serious and talking in weird, stupid voices. And Here's one hour of CGI things. Um, I just don't understand. Christopher Reeve, you know, a proper movie star, man. Um, yeah. Things fun. And Margot Kidder is the best ever Lois Lane. Ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what? Yeah, so yeah, part three, Sarah. How do you yeah. do? How do you do with this one? Um, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you in ways that you know it's cleverer, it's more horror, it's more horror based. Um, I kind of quite like the way they've taken it, but I do have a few things like on my first when I first saw it, I was like, yeah, this is really cool. It's a proper standout. Um, rewatching it again recently, I think it's been a good two or three years since I last watched it on my rewatch for the podcast like this time around I was like there's something lacking the the acting really isn't very good Uh, I have to say I mean to be fair it's mostly from like the soldiers um the colonel and the relationship between the colonel and his son is a bit weird um the guy that plays the son is it Kurt? That's his name, his character name. Um, mm. J. Trevor Edmund. I yes. don't like him. Floppy and oh, weird and a bit pathetic. No, I loved, I love Mindy oh, or Julie Mindy. as it is. She was fantastic. Oh, she was probably like the only kind of thing that made it. But I do love um, the special effects, oh, the practical yeah. effects and stuff. The Tarman in in this one is fantastic. I love yeah. how the fact that his like face is melded to his shoulder and he's just crawling around on the floor, you know, once once they've kind of um Kurt and Julie have discovered him and accidentally let him out, the way he kind of crawls across the floor and then stands up and then when he tilts his head and like rips half his face off, that's mm. absolutely brilliant. I'm like, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I, I love how they went to town on the zombies for this. They, it's, it's kind of like they kind of did a bit of a part two because they like to try and individualize them and focus on yeah. certain ones, but they made them look so much more gory and gruesome. And there is like one of my favorite zombies from the whole 
of the franchise is the Latino guy, the big Latino guy who's mm. um, kind of get, he gets zombified as they're kind of like trying to pull his head off. So his head's like his spine sticking out and his head's kind of on a stalk. And then he's shouting brains and stuff through a hole in the wall. It's really great. He looks fantastic. Mm. But it's, yeah. it's a little bit slow in places. It's, it's a little bit silly. Um, and yeah, the acting, the acting's not great. Oh man! Well, no, sorry. No, it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not I perfect. It's, I I really like it though. I I think, yeah. Well, it's outstanding. The, yeah, the effects. I mean, this is ninety three. So, yes. This is this is a kind of. I always like this. I quite like the early nineties stuff or the late eighties because. Yeah. Because it's that period where CGI existed, and you you would see it in the big movies like Terminator Two. Um. But it hadn't yet replaced gore and and practical stuff in low budget mm-hmm. stuff. So you'd get things like Nightbreed, the Clive Barker thing, and Reanimator Two, and things like that. Um, yeah, which, um, which were entirely Dead practical. Alive. Yeah, Dead Alive. I suppose yeah, um, of course, Darkness yeah. and stuff as well was around this kind of time as well. Yeah, those movies. You know, because CGI was still not affordable at that level, I guess, but those movies are still all practical and it's almost like the end of an era when you get to these things because when it gets to the late 90s you start and even things like from dust till dawn have cgi kind of mm. morphing effects which now kind of look a bit shit um but yeah so i think that's great and, and i read that um usner insisted that the makeup effects guys have their own instead of being whopped into like the big credit role they have their own kind of uh, specific credits at the very start of the credits so you know Steve oh, Johnson cool. I think is one of them um, mm-hmm. all these guys that you'd constantly read about in Fangoria as the, the major ones um, which makes sense because it's an outstanding amount of the, the shopkeeper with the, the the blasted head and yeah it's, it's ah, yeah um, yeah and it, it kind of is a kind of like love story as well which I guess is quite mm, sweet so um, Kurt and, Kurt and Julia Huh? Yeah, I'm on board with the love. With the love story yeah. is, is yeah, it's this Romeo and Juliet. Sarah with it, zombies. It is. It is Romeo and Juliet. Badly acted with, with zombies. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so Kurt and Julia kind of escape. Well, they they try to. They he has an argument with his dad. They go to leave, and as they're like leaving town, they have a really bad bicycle accident. Julie gets killed, um, so Kurt takes her to the army lab where they discovered the army were doing these kind of experiments on these corpses. Um, he uses the gas to bring Julie back, but unfortunately it, it does bring her back, but it doesn't bring her back to, to how she was. Um, it's kind of like, Stephen, like you were saying about kind of a half lady in the first one. I kind of get that understanding because yes. Julie kind of feels the same. She's like constantly in pain and she's constantly hungry. So to try and like quell her thirst for brains and stuff, she kind of like self-mutilates herself. Um mm. and towards the end she like totally turns herself into a badass by like sticking chains through her neck and glass in her head and piercing yeah. like as many parts of her as she possibly can, which is cool. Um but yeah that's kind of sad that he you know he did his best to bring her back. But unfortunately, she didn't come back the way they wanted. Um, because of the way she is, she starts biting people. It kind of like escapes out into the town. And so a whole outbreak has happened again. 
Yes. Which, which then has to like get the army involved. It's kind of like a vicious cycle. But yeah, they kind of end up witnessing a shooting at a shop, which the Latino guys are kind of involved with. They then start following um, the uh, Julian Kurt, who are trying to flee away from them. She bites one of them. They will start turning and they kind of bump into Riverman because Julie decides she wants to end it all, doesn't she? She jumps off a bridge. Mm. Yeah. Which, which again is real sad. Um, but obviously she doesn't kill herself because she can't be killed. Um, it does have quite a sad ending again as well, doesn't it? Oh, yes. I remember. I just suddenly remembered the ending. It is very Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And it's, um, yeah, totally the self-sacrifice. And it's it's also weirdly, well, I think actually this is 93. It came after like, actually, this, pretty much the same ending as Terminator 2, where Arnie takes himself down into the into the thing to, to kill oh, himself. Yes. And, yeah. and Alien 3, which is my favourite mm-hmm. of the Alien films, where Sigourney Weaver is is uh, impregnated with a queen alien and she sacrifices yes. herself. Sacrifices just to, herself. It's the best movie in the Alien franchise. We'll come back to that another time. <laughs> it's the bleakest. Um, no, I, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, it's tragic. I think it's it's outstanding. I I think she's great. I think Mindy Clark is fantastic. Yeah. She, um, I, I read that um, she came to this from. It's in the extras actually on the disc. She came to this from playing Nancy and Sid and Nancy on stage. Oh, so yes. She was Sid's Nancy, which makes a lot of sense actually mm-hmm. in terms of her transformation here and, and maybe her character. And it's it's a really impressive and weirdly, get this because I'm really hot on those teen shows, Sarah. Uh, mm-hmm. Mindy Clark turned up actually she became Melinda Clark because obviously Mindy's. Who wants to be called Melinda? You know Mindy when you're an actress, a serious actress. <laughs> she was later, um, and I, I obsessively watched this. I'm not ashamed to admit the OC. She was. Um, Julie Cooper, I think was her name. She was the kind of not very nice stepmom to Marissa or Melissa. I think it's Marissa in the OC, the popular late 90s, maybe early 2000s teen show, which was a lot better than Dawson's Creek. I refuse to let anybody argue differently. I have to to take your word for it. I never watched either. She was a gold digging kind of, she wasn't a very sympathetic character. And I guess it was about 10 years after this and, Mm. Uh, and she played that really well but how about this hilariously um for maybe only us or uk viewers but hilariously in the oc she ended up marrying because he was rich uh a kind of sugar daddy character played by alan dale aka jim robinson from neighbors oh <gasps> no way yes <laughs> the oc was great the oc was actually quite funny and smart and kind of yeah, sarcastic. Yeah, the OC was a top, top teen show <laughs> period, which of course I, I definitely haven't rewatched since. Uh, yeah, yeah, so Mindy Clark, she's great. No, I think, yeah, and you're totally right. The idea, picking up on the most powerful bit of, of the first movie, the pain makes the hunger go away. Um, this kind of junky kind of addiction to break yeah. that she has mm-hmm. and her decline that. That can't be avoided you know tra- totally tragic mm-hmm. and, and her love for who i actually uh yeah i think he's quite likable i quite like um old what's his face jay jay as i call him trevor to his Tre- j trev trev jt 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 
How's it going, Mike? Um, but mostly, I think it's her show. I think, uh, yes. yeah, yeah, she does make it for sure. Totally, and amazing. I think it's iconic. I mean, I especially when I was watching this in, like I said, the horror kind of starved early nineties. There was stuff in here that wasn't happening. Um, I mean, in the UK, things were were being censored still. There were there was stuff that they weren't allowing on video. You still couldn't watch The Exorcist on video in the early nineties. It was banned. Mm-hmm. You you watched a very heavily cut version of The Evil Dead at this point. Mm-hmm. All this shit, you know, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, it's like uh, nineteen eighty four or something. Um, and so for this to come out, it was really exceptional because it was the stuff that would usually be censored. That, like you said, the emphasis on self harm that is in this movie was not like anything else. And I think. There's a lot of similarities from what I can see to to the stuff that was in Hellraiser. You know, things yeah. back then, things were very different. So body piercing wasn't a thing, really. Body piercing was no. still shocking. Now it's every day. Now it's, it's standard. Mm-hmm. But the idea of, of, you know, what she's doing in this movie, she's got pierced lips, pierced nipples, she's shoving things under her fingernails. Um, and it's the movie is very kind of fetishizing that stuff that very Clive Barker pierced flesh stuff, which I think is yeah. really, really impressive. And there's there's one great shot in this movie, which also it feels like uh, Mindy Clark's character is almost like a Cenobite, which is where she appears in a doorway and, and it lingers on her for a while and it kind of shows her smiling. Yeah, and, as she's just it, about to like yes. attack the Latino guys. Yeah, she's totally that's a like kitted herself. She's got like a big old like rock attached to her arm and that kind of thing. I think that's an iconic moment. I think that's a great moment. I don't think that I, I genuinely believe there were that actually very few truly great '90s horror movies. Definitely very few '90s American horror movies that were great. And I think that sequence and her performance is is one of the best things about '90s American horror. Um, even if the rest of the movie maybe I mean it's not a classic, but I think no, yeah, I think those moments are, are fantastic. Yeah, I always forgot about the um, zombie in the mankini as well. Oh yes, yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. <laughs> the beginning, kind of at the start when they first try and like reanimate a corpse with the with the gas and stuff, <laughs> is just this kind of old dude, and he's just wearing this kind of mankini just to kind of cover his dignity. <laughs> As they reanimate right, him, and then so. he goes around and bites everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it's the way it's helping. Um, and then it's it, mostly straight, isn't it? But there is some. Yeah. yeah, and then it goes. It goes a little bit crazy at the end um, mm. because they kind of do steal. It gets quite sad because you kind of think it's kind of finished because the army come along and kind of save Kurt just at last minute, and you think, well, it's going to be ending but it carries on for a bit longer and you see Julie kind of you see all the rest of the zombies they've kind of rounded up kind of just literally she looks really scared doesn't she just kind of tied up in this little cell on her own and they've done all these experiments with um some of the others like Riverman and stuff is kind of like turned into like a kind of mechanic soldier he's got all these kind of Mm. like braces on him and stuff which kind of sets things up for four um yeah. You, you, you kind of see what the army are trying to do and experiment on these super soldiers and um, Kurt then kind of decides that he, he can't deal with it, he can't see her like that so he has to try and bust her out again Yeah, no it's, it's a total down well, Lots um, of ups and downs 
mostly yeah. down. Yeah, which which I like is committed to being serious, which is it's a real. I mean, especially following part two of this series, it, it, I mean, it doesn't belong in this series really. It's it's. I think this is really a standalone movie that has got trioxin thrown in, um, and I'm yeah. sure that's how Brian Usner approached it, which was you know, oh shit, we've got to have brain eating and trioxin in there somewhere. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. I think we can do what freedom. we like. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it because it was only ever going to be pretty much straight to video as it was in those days um and especially given that it's it's an impressive thing um and i suppose although bub was around in in the in the 85 i suppose this one especially led the way to lots of other movies in which the main character was a kind of tragic zombie figure like um i zombie is is the british one or fido i suppose and yeah and a bunch of movies where where zombies were humanized and often in a tragic kind of Harold's going stiff. Oh, there's so many, isn't there? Where there is yeah. side to things and Mindy with her things and stuff. And yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's really good. And it's kind of like you say, it kind of did kind of then set things up to go in, in, a, in a certain direction because wreck kind of did the same thing, didn't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I think that's the only one that's managed to do a similar thing to The Return of the Living Dead, but I'm guessing they probably kind of looked at those movies in in that kind of light. You know, you've got two similar ones or two that follow one from another. How can we kind of make the third one different but the same? And they did kind of go yeah. along the same lines with the wreck idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always think Rec 3 might be the best one. It is, I agree. Um, <laughs> I think we've we've done the Rec movies. We we do love Rec. Rec Genesis is the best. Yeah, still, it's great. I still, I still, out of the, out of the um, three Return of the Living Dead movies that we've just spoken about, I still, I still say the first one's the best one. Yeah, it's for, it's probably the one that's, genuinely very good all the way through without any sort of lulls mm. or you know um i guess that's the case isn't it and if i was to rank the three i would put them in the order that they came out in <laughs> oh say so yeah i would <laughs> sorry i'm losing you you're breaking up <laughs> three was my fa- yeah yeah I've, I've gone around in circles with three being my favorite of the three uh um, but I, yeah, yeah, two has to be, yeah. That's your least favourite. <laughs> and I remember loving <laughs> I totally, well, the, the interesting thing, of course, is that I loved the first two, well, I loved the first three, uh, those uh, those important parts of my, my growing ups. So I was a yeah. teenager when I watched this one. I was not quite that when I watched the second one. And definitely very young when I watched the first one but yeah yeah I, I, as far as I was concerned first watch they were all tremendous mm-hmm. pretty sure I was five starring or five atting them all the way with yes. this <laughs> fantastic it was like yesterday um yes <laughs> that was um yeah three three was very different and that's kind of it I mean time goes on and you think these things are gone, but Return of Living Dead is still a kind of brand name. It's, you know, it's a marketable thing. So 
way down yonder after a lot of abortive attempts to kind of bring it back, including as we, actually with the first returning did, Toby Hooper was initially attached to that as well. Um, Toby Hooper was initially attached to early versions of what became Return Living Dead, Necropolis, um, and along with Rave to the Grave, ended up being directed by Ellery Alkirm. Mm. I think I'm pretty sure I have. I, didn't, I meant to double check this, but I'm pretty sure he's the director of uh, Eight Legged Freaks. That, he is. Yeah, he is. Okay. Which I remember looking forward to and finding a bit irritating at the cinema. Uh, <laughs> CGI giant spiders, yeah. I think it was more fun than this, though. Well, yes, I would dare say that having your own toenails ripped out one by one by a Nazi would be more fun. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, these, the, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, Necropolis, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thanks. Yeah, no, we're we're not going to dwell on these two too too much because they are kind of just afterthoughts, really. They, to me, it feels like they're just kind of trying to revive the franchise. You know, just try and put the name in the title to kind of generate some interest. Potentially, it has very little to do with the original movies. Um, although four is supposed to be set ten years after three. I found out. Oh, okay. um, and it basically just involves the trioxin. The trioxin has um, oh they changed its name as well. So it was two four five trioxin um, in all the other movies, and then in Necropolis they just literally change it to trioxin five. I was like, so you've even changed the name, and it even sounds shit. Couldn't even keep the same name of the trioxin. How hard is it? But no, apparently now it's turned up in Chernobyl. So. Um, a kind of scientist from a pharmaceutical company called Hybrotech goes to Chernobyl with these dodgy Russian guys to try and buy these barrels off them. Um, the gas kind of um, escapes. The two Russian guys get turned into zombies. So the American guy runs off with the with the barrels without paying for him. So he basically just kind of steals them, takes them back to America. Um, he's like the head kind of mad scientist there, but he's also a guardian to two kids who've lost their parents in a traffic accident. It's probably the worst kind of on-screen family relationship you've ever seen. Um, it's completely, it's not there at all. You just, you just don't even know how they can kind of associate with each other but it's kind of a older guy and his younger brother still at school discovers that his uncle's doing tests with this Chernobyl gas to bring back the dead one of his friends ends up being taken there instead of to hospital so they all go off together and kind of try and rescue their friend and release all the zombies and it's all very floppy haired and dull and just a bit tragic really the zombies are good though mm. that's that's my take on the whole thing in a nutshell the zombies mm. are pretty cool yeah yeah it's pretty it, poop isn't it yeah they, they kind of haven't gone too nuts on the whole cgi thing so they just do do still have quite a lot of like practical effects with the zombies which looks really cool but there's no tar man no, not a single Tar Man in it at all. How can you have a Return of the Living Dead movie without Tar Man? Yeah, 
Well, the annoying thing is Peter Coyote is it? Well, he's in, he's kind of in the, oh, the next he's one. Awful briefly. In it. Yeah, he's, he's a in good both actor, of them. but he's terrible. Oh, he's He's awful in this. Absolutely awful. Absolutely nothing to go by, I suppose, really. Nothing to play with, nothing to work on. Just no, can't turn just up, do some talking and go home again. Yeah, Hydra. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the, char- the characters are dull. There's There's no funny elements to it. They're just a bunch of like floppy haired teenagers that kind of mope around. One of them's nerdy, one of them's cool, one of them's the token black guy, and then there's two kind of they're they're not, they're not like dumb blondes or anything. They're kind of more intelligent, but they don't have an awful lot of personality. You know, yeah. they thought about it more with the originals. And these yeah. guys just, just didn't carry it along. The main guy, John Keefe, that plays Julian, I just can't stand. I think he's awful. Yeah. It's all very dry and, yeah, there's, there's nothing. There's no great gore gags or anything. No, but there is zombies with Gatling gun, guns attached to them at the end. And one with a big, like, circular saw on her hand, which is kind of cool. But they don't really go into too much detail and they get killed very quickly. Yeah, but whereas um, your kind of earlier Return of the Living Dead movies didn't really use guns and stuff like that, they kind of tried to use a little bit more inventive things and just people just being generally a little bit more human about it and kind of running away scared. In this movie, they kind of like throw a load of guns at a bunch of teenagers, and it's they obviously like realize straight away or early on that you do headshots but then every time they're shooting zombies they're just shooting them in the body and it's just like was this just pointless yeah it's poop it is it is poop and yeah then they go on to do rave to the grave which was was that a year or so later yeah yeah they were filmed back to back but yeah it probably came out with a gap yeah. yeah yeah and same same director pretty much most of the same cast they so they killed off a few people from the cast but then stayed with the original main characters um in a slightly different setting they're still at school i mean they look like they're about 20 but they're still at school so yeah um mm. and then this time this time they kind of i think there's like a big halloween party going on um Charlie, oh yeah, sorry, Julian's uncle dies, which is probably one of the most ridiculous um, ways of starting a movie. So he basically told his uncle has died by being given a piece of paper by his teacher. And who the fuck does that? That doesn't happen. Just to let you know, uh, you're an orphan. Yeah, yeah, you're an orphan now. And I suppose because the relationship didn't seem all that great in the in um, Necropolis, the fact that he doesn't really seem to give a shit in five kind of uh, makes yeah. sense, I guess. <laughs> but he inherits a barrel or two that that Charlie had been hiding, and um, oh, he's like, oh, I really must do something about this. Maybe I'll go, I'll take it to the army, and you know, sort it all out. But in the end, he's like, no, I'll take it to school. And we'll do some investigations on it in the school lab because they're like well high tech. <laughs> <laughs> but his friends basically decide to use the gas from the barrel to make a drug for the party without realizing what was in the barrel. 
I don't know how they didn't notice, but eventually, like halfway through the movie, the barrel manages to open itself and a tar man escapes. So there is a tar man in Rave to the Grave and he is actually pretty cool. I think he's quite funny. He doesn't do anything. He stands on a road holding a sign to go to the rave pretty much. But he looks cool. He's like he's like the kind of original tar man, but that's probably the only good thing about it. Um basically the drug turns people into zombies and they go around eating each other's brains at the party at the end. <laughs> It is that bad. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of just kind of tributes in name rather than anything else, hopefully. I definitely, yeah, can't, can't say I have a favourite out of the two. They're both as bad as each other. Yeah. Um, well, I've been what, back at... What were your oh. notes on them? Yeah, because I, I couldn't bear to watch them again. I, I just looked at my <laughs> notes. Um, yeah, so I've got... Well, I actually said... <laughs> this is... Uh, previous flashback me but uh, it talked about yeah I, I thought Rave to the Grave was slightly better than Necropolis they said you know blah blah Necropolis uh, Peter Coyote grinning and gurning his way through but still the most entertaining thing of otherwise really boring send more security guards is a quote I put down oh yes um, absolutely yeah no that, that was quite a back. good um, little tribute to the original for sure I forgot about that bit Disappointingly dry zombie SWAT team massacre. So I guess. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't remember that. I had to look at my old notes. Played like a TV movie, low on gore, um, piss weak zombies. Um, well, for Return of Dead Ray to the Grave, I, I did say, so it kills off, I must just read this, kills off grimacing Peter Coyote in the first few minutes. Troxin falls into the hands of his teenage nephew. You've done this bit of any circulation of Zed, the, the hallucinogenic kind of drug thing chaos uh, <laughs> at the film's old man's version of a teenage party <laughs> rocket launcher wielding russian bad guys uh Tarman. oh god yeah they're horrible they're awful looks a lot harder than its predecessor with plenty of splashy gore explosions some inventive deaths guitar decapitation um zombie lot zombie lab rat named mr stinky oh, um yes. character named coach savini mm-hmm livelier than part four so yeah you know it was kind of like damning with faint praise could have been much worse i think on the bits of that um but yeah yeah no one ever talks about four or five no one in their right mind would you know uh, have them, them higher than the originals yeah that's it isn't it i mean and, and that's it for the front i mean i'm assuming at some stage like with all of these things, the name will come back. I mean, if they did a if they did a remake of April Fool's Day, which we touched on last time, yeah. then I'm sure there'll be some kind of Return of the Living Dead thing. Oh God, I hope coming not. back or a remake, a direct remake of the first one. No, um, it's going to happen, I guess, because <laughs> this is you know it eats itself, doesn't it? This this stuff. Um, they've certainly done night night. Dawn and Day of the Dead to Death, Day of the Dead, especially with sequels and unofficial yeah. things. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's a shame that those two are so not even well. They are terrible, but you know, just kind of quite boring. Which mm. how can you, you know, at any budget level, how can you make a really boring Return Living Dead movie? How is it possible? Well, they managed it. I think it's the cast, isn't it? 
Yeah, it starts with the characters, and really, if you've got no one you want to watch, then what's the point? That mm. can't be that hard to find some likable people, or mm. I don't know. I just don't know. I should have brought Tom Matthews and James Karen back. Haven't we done this before? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, I, I think would James have Karen. That. He lived to an old age. I think he was. He was definitely still around in two thousand and five. Okay, so he could have done. I think he died relatively recently. Tom Matthews, I think he does conventions. He would have been up for a job. Right? Yeah. Minimum wage. Um, another chance to see James Curran throw himself into a crematorium. <laughs> uh, yes. Well, that's that's the series, Sarah. That is. That, that is. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I kind of hope there isn't any more. Just leave as is and just keep rewatching the original. Yeah, that's it, isn't it? Just reach a point where you wish they wouldn't make any more. Um, <laughs> I was like that with Hellraiser, and because uh, that just went on and on and on, and, and the later ones were just terrible. And they they did the recent one, which was okay. I mean, it was it was quite good actually. It, I mean, it seemed better than it was, I think, because it followed some really bad ones. But still, you're like, mm. well, what's the point though? You know what? What exactly? And why is it two hours as well? Why? Why is Henry Cavill turning up as Superman? And oh God! Yeah, no. Why is everything grey? That's the thing. I can't think of any actors that are around now that would be that would do it justice. That would be good in the role uh, or yeah, any no. role involved yeah. with Return of the Living Dead. To be fair. I can't think of anyone I would think would be suitable nowadays. Yeah, there isn't, is there really? That's the tricky mm-hmm. thing, I think. We had plenty to go around back in there. Back in the day. Back in the day. Yeah. But, It'll uh, probably come back as a, as a Netflix series or something. Yeah. Drawn out <laughs> to 10 one hour episodes. The whole hour devoted to the backstory of Tom Matthews' boring girlfriend. And then in episode 10, no. the zombies happen. Yay, Tarman's tar oh, there. Hideous. They could just do like a backstory of Tarman. We could have a Tarman series. That would be cool. Spin off. Yes. Yeah, Tarman. Yeah, yeah, that would be okay with that. Oh, Tarman. <laughs> We've been trying to I watch mean, the From Dust to Dawn TV series. They weren't even at the, they weren't even at the club. In like, I don't know, I watched it for a few episodes. They hadn't yet got to the point where you realise they're all vampires. Oh, God. Oh, God, yeah, that's stringing it out. Stringing it out. Yeah. yeah. Dairy. Dairy me. It's a shocker. Anyway. Well, well, that was a good troll through the archives Yay. and the... The happy memory. That's, yeah, I mean, there's some some cracking stuff in there. That's it for the Return of Living Dead series. Do uh, do definitely revisit the first three. Uh, leave for sure. For sure. And if you love your zombie movies and you love like Slayer esque type music, listen to some more Paramedics if you haven't already. Check them out on YouTube. Yes. Spotify. Yes, that's anything. It. Anything you can get your hands on. You'll That's love it. It's perfect. Biggest tribute there could be, really, and ongoing <laughs> tribute to, um, yes. to a single line from the first movie. 
Who'd have Ooh. thought it? How long have they? When did they emerge, uh, Sarah? Seminal Parent. When were they formed? Uh, Two thousand one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. So the movie then was still well. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't particularly old, was it? I suppose not. I suppose not. It was. Oh. It was. Yeah. Definitely still popular with the cool kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, us, us it, did, kids. <laughs> it did stick around. It was, it's one of those most memorable ones, I think, from that period, and that extends to the other stuff like the artwork and, and the soundtrack, especially. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, that's it for the Return of the Living Dead franchise. Um, next week, something completely different, Sarah. Totally different. Next week? Andy, something. Next week? Next week, <laughs> I'll be doing the shopping. Next month, though. <laughs> Next month, something totally different because yeah. we are a monthly podcast. The weekly one, of course, is that soft porn one that we do every Thursday. Mm-hmm. And we're up to Emmanuel in space. That join us next Thursday for that. But <laughs> on the Horror Screams podcast, which does not, of course, involve Emmanuel, something completely different and something more recent. So all the cool kids will know about this as well, mm-hmm. which we'll be looking at the horror films of Jordan Peele. Yes. Young man about town that he is, cheeky rascal. Um, we'll be looking at the three films he directed in particular, because of course he he co-wrote the very good uh, Candyman remake, amongst other things. But we'll be looking and dissecting Get Out. Yes. Uh, Us. And uh, nope. Three very nope. different horror-ish films. Uh, yes. Be, yes, interesting films, actually, all of them. Yeah, um, psychological as well as weird and freaky. Yeah, yeah, really cool, really relevant. Um, very much films of our time. And Trumpian, Forget Out and Us is, uh, yes. Well, we shan't spoil things. But yes, mm. we're talking about those trio films in the podcast that will emerge at the end of May. May, May 2023. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, until then, Sarah, I guess that's it. I mean, that's all we've got time yeah. for. Yep. Yeah. Um, enough chat about zombies, I guess. And I suppose we'll go we'll go back to something, yeah, freaky with the Jordan Peele stuff. And we'll talk about Evil Dead Rise as well. Good God, yes. Evil Dead Rise. <laughs> yes, we shall be back. <laughs> That'll have been out for, for a while by then. So I think it'll be safe to talk about that as well. So yeah, yes. it'll be good stuff. Everyone will know already about the of zombie raccoons and everything yeah okie dokie excellent oh yeah thanks for listening and until the jordan peele special this is good night from sarah it is good night and good night from me thanks everybody bye for now <laughs>